Gardening Talk back this Monday afternoon. If you do have any questions, you can give us a call on 49216216. Now, Scott, you mentioned something a bit earlier about the Blue Mountains and why are they blue. This kind of intrigues me because I obviously don't know. No, and I thought I'd keep it a little secret. But look, essentially the trees are farting. What? They're farting. They're letting out gas. They're letting out a weird and wonderful gas. It's called isoprene. I, I always knew that it was something to do with the trees, but it's only just recently that I found out that it's this, this sort of chemical called isoprene. Apparently, it's a naturally emitted chemical, and, and trees you know, send it out. They, they fart it out, I guess. Yep. And it's a possible defense against insects and uh, pests. And, of course, they're going to be, you know, mostly out nibbling and chewing away in summer. So that's why we see it mostly in summer. We see this effect of the Blue Mountains. Um, now, it is a type of a natural pollution, this isoprene. It's got something to do with rubber as well. I don't think you can turn it into a wetsuit. Exactly. Right. So, but it Good has, pollution, though. It has, yeah. It's, it's actually called a volatile organic compound. Right. Yes. So that it's has all gone over my head. <laughs> but it's it's the same sort of um, stuff that comes out of paint stripper, cleaning products, uh, furniture, and cosmetics. So wow. it's it's a naturally occurring thing, but I guess you know it's also could be a bad thing as well. But it, it's it's not in in this case. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I thought it was quite interesting. Yeah. Very. Uh, and apparently, the Blue Mountains is actually a global hotspot for these uh, volatile or organic compounds. Well, there you go. I just thought it was they were just coloured that way. Yeah, no, that's, it's this stuff they're sending out to try and keep pests and stuff away. And, um, yeah, that's why we see it mostly in summer. I guess the atmospheric conditions help then as well. But that is why the Blue Mountains are blue. It's got to do with the gum trees. Very good. Nice fun fact this start the Monday. Oh, full of fun facts today. <laughs> hey, if you've got any questions for Scott Sharp too, you can give us a call on 49216216 for Gardening Talkback. And we've got Ellie from Pocolburn. And something is eating her strawberry plants. It could be a cow, Ellie. What do you think it is? <laughs> I don't think it's a cow. I I went down to the garden patch, the strawberry patch, the other morning, and to my dismay, every strawberry plant had been eaten to the ground, and the little flowers had just been bitten off and just left lying there. Now I have a thirty centimetre fence to stop the rabbits and I have snail baits everywhere, and I Googled and thought maybe it was rabbits. But this morning when I went and had a look, there was a little bit of what could possibly be fox scat, but I'm really not sure. But it looks a little bit like that. But I don't think foxes eat strawberries, so I'm at an absolute loss. They, they, could, they could be back in their fox den having strawberry daiquiris or something like that. <laughs> Foxes are very dapper creatures. Just yeah. a bit of dessert or something, or... Yeah, they could be. You saw the fantastic Mr Fox. He is a very dapper creature. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm about, my husband's about to raise the fence from 30 centimetres to 60 centimetres. That might even keep the cows out. <laughs> <laughs> I just... What could it be? Have you thought about possums? Because yeah, sure, surely you've got possums up there in Picolburn. No, they dig under yeah. it, I'm sure. Yes, yes. So I don't think it's wombats, and I've never heard of... We're in a vineyard, yeah. and I've, I've never heard of... Um, I've never heard of possums in this area. So, But 
I, I was just thinking, you know, because it's getting cold and food might be getting a, you know, a little bit scarce for them at the moment, they might be out foraging uh, around a little bit more and they'll be, they'll certainly be able to get over your, your 30 centimetre fence and, and get in there and have a good old chew away. And they'll do a fair bit of damage in, in a quick time. So it, it could well yeah. be your, uh, your local possum uh, residence right. that you don't know about. Well, whoever it is doesn't like broad beans. Yes. It's quite partial to lettuce. Okay. I mean, rabbits can jump as well, apparently. Yes, but but, the, but there's no rabbit poo in the garden bed. Oh, okay. And the, yeah, so okay. So that's what you think. But does I don't know about possum poo. Does it look like fox poo? I, I've never looked at possum poo. <laughs> <laughs> Some someone might know out there if possum poo looks like uh, fox poo, and maybe we can solve the mystery for you. Are you sure it's not tourists and they're just making it look like it's a rabbit? <laughs> Could be German, German tourists or something like that. No, none of the above. None of the above. It, it, it could just be other people from another wine area that are coming in to try and. No, no, don't think so. Don't think so. They wouldn't eat the eat the leaves in total and leave the flowers and eat right down to the stalks, right down to the ground. Yeah, look, I'd, I'd have a. We might see if someone knows if uh, possum and uh, and fox uh, dung is the same, and we might uh, be able to uh, get some more information for you about it. I would absolutely love that. The problem is I have to turn, badly, I have to turn the radio off in about 15 minutes. So, But I can ring the station tomorrow and ask them. I'm sure. If anybody does know. Well, we could always download our podcast. Yes. Ah, very nice cross-promotion there. <laughs> I keep on forgetting about the podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much for that, Ellie. Good luck raising okay. the fence as well. Okay. Bye. Cheers. Bye bye. That's a bit of a mystery there for Ellie. It is. I'm thinking there's some sort of strange leaping creature up there. I'm, I'm backing it's tourists. Yeah. And but are they actually, you know, going into the cellar door and having a bit of a tipple before? Oh yeah. And you know, or, you know, little animals, and they're thinking, oh, now it's time to go out and have some dessert as well with it. Exactly. And they're going, oh, we've picked all the fruit. Yeah. Let's just rip other stuff out. I wonder, if, it, like. I wonder if Ellie grows a, or makes a nice botrytis, you know, a nice dessert wine up there. That could be the case. That's why they're rough going over the fence with the strawberries. <laughs> we were speaking to Ellie from Bacolbin early about something eating a strawberry plants. We had a lot of theories, a lot of ideas of what could have happened. We've got Jackie from Millfield, and she might have an answer. Jackie, is it you been eating the strawberries? Hello. Have you been eating the strawberries, Jackie? No, no, not me, but I can tell you that foxes do eat strawberries and blackberries and any other fruit that's uh, I handy. Was, I was right. Oh, <laughs> fox, a fox is the most dapper animal out there. Can anyone think of a more dapper animal apart from the penguin? <laughs> no, not no, really. No. Not <laughs> so they actually are omnivores, are they? They are, they are. They love grapes as well, and ah. that's why they hang out around Pecolvin. Yes, it's a wonder Ellie didn't know that if they've been in there, um, you know, chomping, chomping one her Shirah grape or whatever it is. Mm. Yes. Well, now yeah. she knows. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. So, look, I think the uh, the fox has probably got you know, agile enough and dapper enough to jump over the 30-centimetre fence and get in yeah, there and have a... Yeah, and uh, possums very rarely come down to, on the ground. Uh, okay, that is fantastic. Thank you very much for that, Jackie. No problem. Okay, and you just wipe the strawberry juice away from your chin as well, okay? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And my favourite food. Ah, no. <laughs> then take that fox uh, outfit off as well. That's <laughs> okay. Okay, thank, thank you. you very much, Jackie. Thank you. I was going to say that Jackie's a foxy lady then, but I thought that might be going a little bit too far. Well, you kind of just did, I did Yeah, it. okay. <laughs> it's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are FM. We've got Warwick from Toronto. And he's apple trees. Doesn't seem to be fruiting. Oh, that's no good, Warwick. How can we help you with it? Yeah, good day. Look, no foxy lady here, but um, <laughs> just, 
Yeah, look, an apple tree I've got is fairly well established, probably five or six years. Um, and in that time, there's probably only been ever one or two apples on it. And I'm just wondering, is there anything I can do to... Um, to help with the fruiting? Uh, look, unfortunately, not much. Uh, you're at Toronto, are you, Warwick? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, look, it's it's a bit warm there, unfortunately. Uh, apples okay. need apples need the cold to fruit properly. They need that chill. Uh, that's right. that's just why you don't see them down here on the coast. And I guess for you being near the lake as well, where the water's you know going to even be warmer and keep right. like a little microclimate going for you, that's you know even why you're not going to get that. Uh, look out around Millfield, out okay. um, you know out behind uh, Cessnock in those areas in some yeah. hollows, you might be able to get apples yes. to grow but unfortunately you're not going to have much luck uh you could try you know the old trick we hear so many times about getting your uh, oranges to grow and that is to get some bags of ice and and sort of dump them around the base of the tree to try and get that chill but uh, I, I don't know that that would be sustained enough for you uh, so no. unfortunately it is just the situation you've got it in that it you know it's okay. not it's not going to fruit as well but look they yeah, make no, they make a nice little tree anyway well they do they do it's good nice ornamental yeah yeah excellent all right thanks guys okay sorry we couldn't help you with that warwick Cheers, bye. Cheers, thank you. That's all right. Now, before we go to our next callers, Scott, Myrtle Rust. Yes. You mentioned that a little bit earlier, and that's kind of intrigued me because I have no idea what Myrtle Rust is. It's a fungal disease that has spread, you know, right down the east coast, and it's quite debilitating on a whole variety of plants. Does it rust plants? It's that's what of, I'm thinking. It, it sort of does in a way. That's probably the best way to think about it because it, it actually looks like rust. It's a little sort of magenta, you know, rusty, irony sort of coloured um, growth that it gets on the plant, and especially on the new growth of the plant. And it sort of just eats it away. It can get on some right. varieties of lily pillies. Yep, uh, and it will just sort of eat those away. Uh, it can get on all sorts of plants, mostly natives though, and uh, natives that are obviously um, you know related to myrtles. Yeah, yeah. So there's quite a few plants that are just you know really being struck down by it at the moment. Uh, a lot of research is uh, going into it at the moment. Uh, New South Wales DPI and uh, Queensland they're trying to get it all under control. I love the name of it though. The actual you know the actual uh, Latin name of myrtle rust is Puccinia pacidae, which I just came on thinking of Puccini. Yeah, that's the first yeah, thing I thought of. And the opera, yeah, yeah. But it's not something... She thought of mushrooms, but anyway. Oh, that's another good one. Yeah. This one is... That's port... No, no, Porcini. that's... That's something. Isn't that pig or something? Uh, that's... Oh, let's, let's not yeah. go into our language skills. Uh, yeah, but Pachinia. So, um, yeah, it's, it is quite bad. You can treat it uh, using uh, Mancozeb Plus, uh, which is a fungicide. You have to get onto it straight away. It, sometimes it can almost be invisible. We've seen it on some lily pillies just sort of eating the new tips of the lily pillies away. Yep. Uh, and... Look, it's not like uh, you know you've got a, an Alfa Romeo or something in the garage that's getting eaten away by rust, but you can actually treat this one. Okay, yeah. very good. So it can be stopped. It can be stopped. Yeah. Now this is good. It's gardening talk back on two and URFM. Any questions? Give us a call on four nine two one six two one six. We've got Benny from Patterson, and he's got some problems with his gum trees. They must be big by now up there, Benny. Yeah, they've been good. They've been growing well, but um, all of a sudden they just sort of got struck by. Um I don't know the, the disease or what it is, but the, the leaves that just browned off and it seems to be attacking the whole tree. Right. Okay. Look, I so don't... These Sorry. are some like, oh, some established and then some new ones as well. So. Okay. Look, I, I, I'm not the greatest expert on gum trees, I'd have to admit, because I live in the city and we just don't have that many around anymore. 
what you're probably going to be best to do is grab some of those affected leaves and get them to your nearest local garden centre, probably Heritage Gardens. They'll be able to give you a hand up there because they'll know what they're talking about because they've got a lot of gum trees still in the area. I don't think it's going to be the myrtle rust that we've just been talking about. Uh, it would be unusual for that on the gum trees, but I'd grab some of the affected leaves and take it to your, yeah, to your local garden centre and get them to see if they can uh, you know, answer the problem for you. All right, cheers. Yeah, I'm sorry, Thank mate. I, it's just I just don't see big trees like that down in the city too much anymore. No, it's bizarre. They just yeah. sort of all of a sudden started browning off and dying. Yeah, look, gum, gum trees can be susceptible to some uh, little 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 grubs and things. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, look, I'd definitely get someone and get it into your local garden centre and see if they can help. All right, cheers. Okay. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Benny. Cheers. All right, sir, Benny. Sounds like it's lunchtime where Benny is. Oh, I thought that was a train going into a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned earlier in the program, this has got me slightly intrigued because I have no idea what's going to come now. <laughs> 007 and plants have something in common. They, I can't work out what it is. A license to thrill? I, uh, I don't know. I don't, yeah, a license just to grow. It's yeah, a license to yeah. Uh, can yeah. you do a can you do a James Bond impersonation for me? No, not really. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Okay, I thought you were just doing George Lazenby just then. Well, yes, I can okay. do James Bond if I can. Yes, that is my best George Lazenby. The best I can do is probably Roger Moore. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> you know, just when he goes, move, move. Is that him? Yeah, he does that often. That's all he ever really says. I thought that was somebody else. No, that's Roger Moore. Oh, it's, okay. oh it's very good. <laughs> Thank you. It's, if I close my eyes, it's like I'm watching A View to a Kill. It is. James Bond has got something to do with the plant world. Yes. Yes. It's actually to do with a new group of Caribbean plants that have just been named after James Bond. Because we know that Ian Fleming actually lived in the Caribbean. And that's where he wrote most of the James Bond novels. Oh, right. Yeah. That, that explains a lot of the scenes. It's, it does. So uh, uh, they've just uh, come up with a new subgenus of plants of the Alternathera. And they've actually called it James Bondia. <laughs> I love it. Now, these plants, they're found in Central America and Caribbean islands, and they're, not, they're sort of named after James Bond, and they're ac not the actual spy, super spy, though. Oh. Yeah, so what happened is Ian Fleming knew an ornithologist who was named James Bond. An ornithologist oh. is actually a, a bird watcher, and uh, Ian Fleming was a great bird watcher as well. And that's where, yeah, and that's where Ian Fleming got the name for his super spy from, from this ornithologist who actually only died in 1989. I mean, how fantastic for that guy to be actually oh, have, yeah. the, have the super spy named after him. Imagine how arrogant you'd be like walking into bars and restaurants. Uh -huh. And what, what drink would you order all the time? I'd actually mix it up because I just expect you're going to say martini. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Or you just say not shaken, not stirred. Not shaken, not stirred, yeah. Or, yeah, or shake it. Yes. I think you might have called it a Vesper in one movie as well. Oh. It might have been in uh, Casino Royale. Quite possibly. Yeah. But so that's an interesting uh, little plant fact there. Yep, the American ornithologist James Bond, and he's got a plant named after him, and we can all think that it's named after the, the super spider, who we all love so much. But it isn't. It sort of isn't, no, yeah. But no. it's all very closely related. So James Bondia Alternathera. Well, I see plants just named after movies. Yeah, that'd be all right. Didn't plants named after me, mm. you. Greggy Eye. Greggy Eye. Yeah. Rashado. Yeah. All right, it's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. We've got Sylvia from Bonnells Bay, and she's got a question about the bird of paradise. How can we help you with your bird of paradise, Sylvia? Uh, unfortunately, the 
spreading and spreading and they're taking over too much room. Yes. And I just wondered, is there an easy way to dig them up? Yes, they will do that. There is an answer to your question. There is an easy way to dig them up. It's called a bobcat. Ouch. <laughs> I have this rule of thumb with uh, strelitzias, bird of paradise. They're the plant that, you know, some people call them the garden city plant because they've got that nice orange flower on them. Yeah, uh, they are beautiful. Yeah, strelitzias, yuccas. I never would plant them anywhere you can't get a machine in to dig them back out because they and just... And I've got both. Oh, dear me, because they're just insidious. Plus they just a dragon tree and I'm... And it's blocking, oh. Yeah, but a dragon tree is not so bad. It actually sort of turns into a nicest tree. But those other ones, they get this big woody butt, you know, the yuccas, they just keep on spreading out. And your bird of paradise, it's just spreading out as well for you. So uh, I'd get in early and get in quick and start trying to dig it out best way possible. Unfortunately, the best way to get them out is a machine because they've got this big fibrous root system. And when you attack them with a mattock, it just doesn't go very far at all. I live in a retirement village. Oh. I don't have any strength whatsoever. Yes, you do. What about a nice your grandson, someone like that? No. No? Any someone else must have a grandson no. there that you can enlist? No. Uh, you just need to get some virile young chap to come in there and dig it out for you. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all I can do. They, they're really, really difficult to get out. All right. Thank okay. you. Good luck with Bye. you, Sylvia. Bye-bye. Thanks for your help. That's all right. I know we haven't been much. It's probably only bad news, but anyway. It is. Oh, I'm sorry. Never mind. I'll have to think. <laughs> and what about a ponytail? Same thing. Same thing. they probably not as bad, but I reckon the yuccas and the bird of paradise are absolutely the worst to get out. Yeah. And we've got Howard from Rathmines talking passion fruit. West Lakes, how can we help you out there, Howard? Hello, Scotty. How are you, mate? Pretty well, mate. Uh, I've got a passion fruit vine. I think it's a Nelly Kelly. And every time I get new growth, like uh, the new uh, foliage on the top of it, something's eating it all the time. And I've, I've searched right through the uh, through the vine, but I can't find anything. It's not a fox. I mean, it's not a fox, mate. We've had foxes eating strawberries today. It's been it's been all over the shop today. Yeah. No, but look, what it could be, it could be possums as well. Possums will actually go and nibble on those that new growth. Okay. Uh, look, and a problem, it's probably not as prevalent now, but it certainly was in, in spring and summer. A lot of grasshoppers around, a lot of small ones as well. I've noticed that. And very, very difficult to catch. Uh, you know, they see you coming and they'll yeah. go around underneath the leaves and hide out. And then when you've walked away, back they'll come okay. and they'll keep on doing the business, uh, you know, against you. So that, yeah. that is a bit of a problem and they do do a lot of damage. Uh, but look, I have, you know, the other thing you can get, uh, if you've got passion fruit around, you get rats as well, unfortunately. They yeah. might be out looking for that and they might have a nibble on other stuff as they go along. But I'll be more inclined to think the old possum or the uh, little grasshoppers and they do a lot of damage when those grasshoppers get going. I've even uh, gone out of a night with a torch and had a look through the vine, and I can't find anything that's it's causing the problem. Yeah, so yeah, yeah so look, uh, I, it's not going to grow very much now this time of year, so the, the problem's almost going to go away for you. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, keep an eye out again once spring and summer um, comes along. Um, yeah, unfortunately, those grasshoppers very difficult to to get rid of, especially on edible plants. Not much you can actually spray for. Okay, and uh, I have noticed a few uh, yellow leaves on it at the. At, at the moment, they're uh, dropping off. Is that just natural this time of the year? I'd say it's a bit cold. Um, I, I wouldn't be too, too concerned about that. 
Okay, should I feed it with anything uh, this time of the year? Or? Uh, look, I'd wait now until we yeah. get uh, mid-August and then give it a good old feed up and a boost. So once the uh, the warm weather comes and it starts to grow, it can actually absorb. But if you start putting stuff in the soil now, it's just almost going to get leached away. You know, with the rain we get, it's not That's going right. to have much to do. Yeah. So you always fertilise when it's, you know, the, uh, the grow times are coming upon us. And what do you recommend to uh, feed it? Uh, look, a good all-round uh, fertiliser with that. You can actually use cow manure if you want to. Okay, I've got um, some of that. Yeah, but uh, just uh, get an all-round plant food and uh, yep. sprinkle that ar- around as well because you need lots of potash for your passion fruit to improve the uh, fruiting and flowering on it. Yeah, yeah, I use the uh, liquid one. Oh, okay, so that's great. So keep on using that regularly. Just don't use it you know, once or twice and expect it's going to do its job. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, keep on using that regularly. Okay. Okay, good luck out there, Howard. Good man. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Cheers. Okay, bye, Scott. Bye. Uh, cheers, Howard. We've got Diane now from Macari. She's got some issues with spinach. Uh, Popeye's been uh, calling around, has he? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Scott. Um, we've got spinach growing and we've put snail pellets down and we've got no sign of grubs on the plants. Yes. But we've got little holes in the spinach leaves. Oh, yeah. I've had little holes on stuff at my place. It might be little baby snails that have been hatching out and actually not getting down to the ground or around where the uh, the snail pellets are. Oh, right. I've been surprised in the middle of winter. I have got heaps and heaps of little baby snails. And uh, how, look, I mean, how small are they? They're sort of, you know, almost the top of a pencil in size. Yeah. And, and I want to, I want to do nasty stuff to them. But my yeah. my little girl says, "Oh no, you can't. They're little baby snails, and they're very cute. You can't kill them, Dad." So they're doing an <laughs> immense amount of damage at the moment. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised that that's what you've got on there, or um, it could be Ellie's fox as well. <laughs> Trying to pump up his muscles, <laughs> yeah. And just poking holes in athlete's spinach. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we can't find any sign of grubs or anything like that. Yeah, I, I, There's no white or no grub or anything like that on there. And and look, these these little insects, they'll go really down deep back into the crevices of the of the spinach when it uh, you know when the sun comes up. So they'll mostly come out and feed at night, and then they'll head back down deep where it's really difficult for you to find them. Yeah, I, I doubt it's going to be grasshoppers at this time of year. Uh, yeah. you know, it's just getting too cold for them. I think they've all disappeared now. Uh, I'd be more inclined to think it's going to be those little baby snails. As cute as they are, they do a lot of damage. Radio. Okay. Okay, thanks very much. That's not a problem. Good luck with it, Diane. Thanks, Scott. Even get some uh, your snail pellets and just dribble them down inside the spinach, just a couple down in there to see if that doesn't get them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It might squash Thank them you. anyway. <laughs> thanks very much. That's all right. Thank you. Bye. Uh, we've got Jim from Maryville. And he's got dead patches in his lawn. That does, doesn't sound good, Jim. You haven't had a UFO land there or anything, mate? And... No, they're not circular patterns. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no no crop, uh, crop circles there or anything like that? No, not at all, not at all. Uh, do you mean? Um, no, it's my mother's lawn, actually. It's yeah. Kikuyu, and mm-hmm. it's just thinned out during the autumn. And then there's dead spots. Uh, you can see the dirt. You know, it's almost as though the roots have died. Yeah. Look, what it sounds like happened is during autumn, that's we had the army grub and the crickets come through really, really late this year and did a lot of damage then. And I suspect that's probably what's happened to your, to your mum's lawn. And it, all of a sudden it's got cold and the lawn just hasn't regenerated for her. Uh, look, unfortunately, there's not much you can do except just, uh, you know, fertilise that area, the area around it to try and get those runners to spread. 
and then mm-hmm. just wait until August, September, when everything will start growing again. I think it's just that's all that's happened. I, I suspect a lot of people are in this boat as well. Uh, in that, you know, the army grub came along really, really late this year, did a lot of damage. Uh, your mum might not, not might not have got on top of that straight away, so it's got back mm-hmm. to bare dirt. Uh, look, I'll just be fertilising the area around it and hope that it runs back over the top. And uh, when you get to uh, when you get to spring, uh, get a little bit of top dress and spread that in the area as well to try and promote some growth in the, in the uh, grass for you. Yeah, there is um, a garden bed that runs along, but there's a couple of big trees in the neighbour's yard as yeah. well. Whether uh, or not the, the roots have come through, I don't know, but um, yeah, so it that, seems to be dead along that area. So the, the, it could also be shading the area as well, and that won't be very helpful. Uh, it could just be taking moisture away. Often if yeah. there's tree roots up towards the surface, you know, it, you know, the ground can be compacted as well. So uh, mm. if you, you, know, you get a, uh, one of those aerator things and run it along and see how you go with that, and uh, just try well, and open I, up I the soil. Yeah, I tried to aerate with a pitchfork along that area. Yeah. Uh, I heard on one of your previous shows, you said something about putting sea salt in for the roots. Yeah, sea salt's excellent for the root system of lawns. Uh, but if you're back to bare dirt, you're sort of just going to be watering the dirt in that area. So not much you can really do. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, that then. That's I'll, all right. I'll call into your Merryweather nursery then. Okay, thank you very much for that. Thanks, Scott. Bye. Sorry, sir. Thank you very much, Jim. It is Gardening Talk back on 2 and FM. Scott, we are almost out of time. Is there anything you'd quickly like to run us through before you mosey on out? Yes. How many plants are known to science, mate? Ten? You More? Have, Higher? You've got to take your shoes off, okay? <laughs> 20? 20. No. I actually, when I had, I had a bit of a guess at this myself, and I thought it was going to be like millions, but it's actually not. It's only 390,900. Now, of that 390,900, 82,089 of those species are actually at the threat of extinction. So that's a bit of a, a downer, isn't it? It is a bit of a downer. That's not really fantastic. No. No. Um, Climate change for you, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit weird, isn't it? Um, but we've discovered a lot of new species in 2015. 2,034 new species of plants. Oh, yeah. on the rise. Yeah, so some are on the way out, some are being found again. That's nice. Hopefully we even it all out eventually. It's a circle of life. It is. Thank you very much, Scott Sharp. That's all we have time for Gardening Talk back this Monday afternoon. I'll catch you again next week. Perfect. Very good.